Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome to or welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. Before we get started, make sure that you are subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Follow the Oh My Allergies podcast Instagram just to keep up with what we are doing and to just see some fun content on Instagram. Rate and review the podcast. Hopefully it is five stars and keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. In today's episode, I thought that it would be good to talk about seasonal allergies and how they can affect your skin. You know, I know I've shared a few stories with you guys in the past about my experience with seasonal allergies. You know, I can always tell when the seasons are changing because I'll start to feel like this tickle in my nose and my throat and it's like the absolute worst. But basically to summarize my seasonal allergies in one word, I would probably use the word horrible <laughs> and if I had two words I would say annoying and horrible um, there's no other way to describe them I go into like these sneezing fits my nose is itching my eyes are watering my voice is a lot deeper and it makes me sound like a boy going through puberty it's just a hot mess just to be honest over here however you know as I was thinking about you know the seasons changing and you know spring being on the way Um, Not a lot of people tend to talk about their experiences with their seasonal allergies affecting their skin. Um, I know some people tend to talk about how like, you know, like with the seasons changing and like, you know, with it being colder and things like your skin might be a little bit more dry, but not talking about like if you are affected by, you know, irritants like pollen and stuff like that how that can affect your skin so I wanted to talk about a few ways that seasonal allergies can affect your skin and just share some things that I do to help me and my symptoms and just share what I know from dealing with these allergies for basically my whole life but before we get into today's topic you guys know I have to tell you guys what's been going on So what's been going on with me? Last week was kind of crazy for a lot of different reasons. I had a good amount of assignments that were due, plus my sorority had an event pretty much every day last week, starting from Sunday up until the day that I'm actually recording this episode, which is Saturday. And Friday in particular was kind of a hectic day because I had classes, I had work, had class assignments that were due, I had a meeting for my sorority, plus we had an event as well that same day. So Friday was definitely eventful for sure, but overall this past week was pretty good. I need to catch up on All American, which is a show that comes on the CW because I still haven't seen last week's episode because I was really busy last week. Also, something happened to my phone last week, so cue the story time that I'm about to tell you guys. So, I was watching a podcast on my phone while I was doing uh, the laundry and 
and I had my phone on the washing machine and we have a washing machine where you have to open the top and not like open the door that's like on the front of the machine anyway I was watching the podcast and my phone was like kind of like catacornered on the machine and then I went to go get the rest of the clothes to put into the washing machine and I could still hear my phone as I was walking away because I wasn't too far away from my phone but then I didn't hear my phone I literally ran to the washing machine and then I first looked on the side of the machine to see if it fell between, you know, the washing machine and the dryer. Didn't see it. Then I looked in the washing machine since the door was open and I could faintly hear the podcast playing in the washing machine. I kid you not. I'm like literally digging my hands in the washing machine like I'm digging for a pot of gold or something. Then I find my phone. So I pull my phone out of the washing machine. Now luckily it didn't even go through like a full cycle or anything like that and plus I had it on a small cycle. So there wasn't a ton of water in there as much as it could have been because initially it was set on a large load but I like strategically put it on a small load so praise the lord that God let me have that thought to put it on a small load during all of this so I find my phone it's still playing the podcast and the screen is still on but my phone is wet so then I start freaking out and then I instantly go on my computer to figure out like what to do I go online and it said to turn my phone off immediately to wipe my phone off to make sure that the outside isn't wet anymore take the sim tray out so I did that and then I found this plastic bag of rice that we had in the pantry and then I put my phone in it because normally they say if you drop your phone in water you put it in rice to help with soaking up the moisture right so I did that and I'm like okay woo I did it we're just gonna have to wait right so then I was looking for more information on what I need to do and like how many days I need to wait I found out that rice is not the way to go and that letting it air dry is better than putting your phone in rice because the rice can get stuck in like either like the sim tray slot or the charging port and then it can be hard for you to get it out and then you could possibly damage the ports and all this other type of stuff so anyway I look more and more and more and then I find that silica gel packets are the way to go and then I'm like okay what the heck are silica gel packets and so I look online and basically it's those like white packets that may be like in like your shoe boxes sometimes they're like in packaged foods to be able to help with absorbing like the moisture to be able to keep them as fresh as possible so uh, apparently they're supposed to be good for absorbing the moisture if you drop your phone in water so I literally ripped my room apart and like my closet apart to try to find these things. So I found a few after looking through like a ton, a ton of shoe boxes. And then I got a plastic bag because online it said to get a plastic bag, put your phone in it, put your SIM card in it, put your SIM tray in it, and then put the silica gel packets in the bag. And then I left my phone alone for three days. I'm just like going back and forth. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, am I doing the right thing? Like try to make sure that these silica gel packets is like really good. And then like I find some YouTube videos online and then apparently like, If you have like an iPhone, then there's like an indicator in the SIM tray slot where you can tell like if your phone got damaged by like water or anything like that. So I was able to check that and they said there's like a line that you can see and if it's red, then that means that you have water damage on your phone and if it's white, then like your phone didn't have any water damage and mine was white. So I was just like, okay, praise the Lord. Like I was just so stressing out about this because I haven't even had this phone for that long yet. 
So I was just like, this is crazy. So that also took up a lot of my week trying to figure that out. So I didn't have my phone for a good amount of time. Now, luckily, because of iMessage and stuff like that, and I have a Apple laptop that I was able to still be able to use that to communicate with my sorority sisters and my friends and, you know, my my mom and things like that. So I had that avenue to use and like FaceTime audio was literally my best friend for this past week literally like I don't know what I would do without FaceTime audio so shout out to FaceTime audio but yeah my week was definitely definitely eventful but I was able to actually I powered on my phone for the first time today and everything's fine I tested out the speakers because I know a lot of people said that when they dropped their phone like the speakers weren't really working as well as they used to so I was like super scared so I was like playing like all of these songs that I know that are really loud and have like deep bass and all this other type of stuff in the music so I was really happy that my phone was a-okay and literally like I was telling some of my line sisters because they were like every time I'm calling you like your phone goes straight to voicemail and then I was like okay let me tell you my sob story about my phone and how I dropped it in a washing machine and they're like oh my gosh Valencia oh my gosh I was like yes yes this happened to me sadly this happened to me and normally I'm good about those types of things but like lately like with my past two phones like this phone and my last phone like it's just it's just been crazy like even with my last phone that I had this I cracked the screen and it had a lot of battery issues like it's just I don't know what it is with me and my phones lately but I know definitely for my next phone I'm probably just gonna need to get Apple Care for real because <laughs> normally I'm really good with my phones and taking good care of them and I even had an OtterBox on this phone so luckily I was able to have that protection on it so it wasn't like my literal phone was like you know my phone was in the water but like it had like some sort of layer of protection and plus thank the lord for water resistance phones let's just talk about that because that literally I feel like in combination with of course God and you know my phone case and being quick and near my phone in the washing machine when it all happened I think the quickness of my response really helped a lot in my situation because I know when I was reading a lot of different blogs and reddit forums and watching a lot of YouTube videos and seeing the comments those comments scared the crap out of me because a lot of people were like oh my goodness like I wasn't able to recover my phone and my phone got damaged and I was just like oh my gosh like what the heck but I was just so happy that I was able to recover my phone and my phone is acting as normal so praise the lord but yes that is how I ended my eventful week that's basically what's been going on with me lately so now that I told you guys that I'll get right into my foodie likes So the first foodie like I'm going to talk through with you guys is from the brand Late July. It's their blue corn dippers. Now I am not new to the Late July craze. I really have liked Late July products over the years. I first came across them at the Gluten-Free Allergen Friendly Expo, but it's now known as the Norst Festival. Really just love their chips and their products. So came across their blue corn dippers at a grocery store because the grocery store I went to, they had like this coupon deal for super 
Super Bowl because I got them for Super Bowl just to be able to have something to snack on while watching the Super Bowl. And so I got them because they were for a really good price. I think I paid like maybe like $2 and I bought like like those chips and then another chip from them. But really just love these blue corn dippers. They're very thin and they're very crispy. Really just love the fact that they're organic. They're non-GMO, made with non-GMO blue corn. And they're just really literally like the perfect size. We used them as like little like appetizers to have initially at first before we actually had whatever we had for the dinner I actually forgot it's like I'm blanking right now actually what we had but it was really good we had that as an appetizer we had like some guacamole um we had like some crackling cauliflower from Whole Foods it was like a really good nice little like appetizer plate just filled of some really good goodies and really I felt like those really complemented our little appetizer plate I've always been a big fan of like blue corn tortilla chips in general before like ever since I was younger just because that's what my mom would purchase just because they tend to be a little bit more healthier and things like that but overall I just really love the flavor of them I didn't think that they were even too salty because sometimes some tortilla chips can be a little bit more on the saltier side so I really love the fact that like I said they're certified gluten-free they're organic they're non-gmo made from non-gmo blue corn um I also really love the fact that it's made in a facility that does not process peanuts highly recommend trying out late july's is blue corn dippers i actually am a big fan of one of their other chips which is another chip that i purchased on that same day i purchased their restaurant style i think they're like sea salt and lime just a really big fan of sea salt and lime tortilla chips anyway and so really love the fact that they sell these as well and they taste so good like the other night we made um nachos with like this vegan uh cheddar cheese and it tastes so good we had like black beans we had lettuce we had avocado salsa the whole nine it just tasted so delicious so highly recommend trying those chips as well it's their organic sea salt and lime chips they are just just so good just so tasty and I'm definitely next time we go to the grocery store I'm definitely gonna buy another bag of those because those taste so good they're just a really great snack to have um another one of my foodie likes that I'm really liking right now is from the brand Dang. Now, normally when I go to the grocery store and I come across this brand Dang, I tend to see like their coconut chips. And so I've never really been into the whole like coconut chips craze. So I was just like, not really for me, but recently went into Whole Foods and found these Thai rice crisp. It's the flavor Sriracha Spice. And oh my gosh, like these are like so, so delicious. And I was kind of like on the fence about them like and eh, like are they gonna really taste good and they are just so good so basically they're like these little mini rice cakes and they're so good because of the flavor of them like they have like this chili taste to them they're a little bit tangy you can kind of taste a little bit of the garlic and there's kind of a kick to them but in my opinion they're not like super spicy but I just really like them they're just a really great snack they're gluten-free really love the fact that you know they're a lot more healthier than eating like chips like potato chips and stuff like that and I love the fact that when it comes to all of the ingredients that are in them like I recognize all of the ingredients now granted they do contain coconuts so if you are having like a sensitivity or are allergic to coconuts definitely would not recommend these but if you can have you know coconuts then 
and I highly recommend trying out these chips because they're so good. What's really cool about them is that they're inspired by Northern Thai street food. And so on their website, they say how they soak sticky rice and fresh watermelon juice and coconut milk to be able to help with binding the rice together. And then they crisp it and then they turn it into like toasted rice. And that's kind of how they get their little mini rice cakes. So I just think the whole like idea of these rice chips, like it's just so cool and it's so like tasty and I highly recommend them. And I actually let my mom try one like the other day and she was like, oh my gosh, these are so good. Like the next time we go to the store, we're definitely going to have to get more of these because they're just so good. But those are my foodie likes that I've been loving really lately. So with that being said, I can get right into the allergy news. the allergy news article that I'm going to be talking about is from the counter and it's about how sesame may finally get the recognition of being one of the most common allergens in the U.S. Now if you're not familiar with this really big push for sesame being acknowledged as being a top common food allergen, um, sesame allergies has been a growing problem in the United States. You know I'm coming across a lot more people who are saying that they have a sesame allergy or a sesame sensitivity and in this article they talk about how the number of allergic reactions to sesame has grown so much with an estimated amount of 1.5 million Americans uh, which is about 0.49 percent of the population reporting that they have symptoms um, from sesame so whether that's hives or having full-blown anaphylaxis and that's apparently slightly below the rates for soy and fish which recognize currently as being top common food allergens that a lot of manufacturers and companies have to be able to put food allergy warning labels on their products saying, you know, be cautious because this food contains such and such allergens or this may contain this or it might have been processed in a facility that has been exposed to these sort of allergens. So it's really cool to know that so much progress has been put in place for people who have sesame allergies because I'm coming across more and more people who have sesame allergies and we've actually had somebody come on the podcast as a guest if you listen to the episode with Maria Alexander we had her on the podcast um, a while ago where she talked about what it's like dealing and managing with allergies while you're in high school and she talks about in that episode some of her trickier allergies that she has to deal with and one of them being sesame I think that it's really important to you know advocate for other people and other allergies that may not be getting the recognition that they should be because of it because Becoming such a major allergen, they said that the FDA announced that manufacturers should declare sesame as being an ingredient on a food labels and that the House of Representatives passed a bill to add it to the official list of major food allergens, which is such a big win for a lot of different people who have been advocating and pushing for sesame to get more recognition because of so many people not being able to eat this food. Also, the article talks about 
how this push in the right direction would really help with expanding the research into allergy treatments and really just allow the FDA to be able to add other allergens to this list if they meet the criteria. And this article talks about how the CEO of the Food Allergy Research and Education Organization, which is Lisa Gable, if you're not familiar with Food Allergy Research and Education, it is a nonprofit organization that's really for advocating for food allergy research, more developments in that, and really just advocating for people who have food allergies and struggle with food allergies and being able to provide so many different great resources. So the CEO uh, of Food Allergy Research and Education says, to see this bill move forward today, getting this much closer to becoming a law is a true achievement. And the article talks about how she says this is such a really great victory for tens of millions of Americans who avoid products that contain a top nine allergen. And furthermore, in the article, they talk about how for years the FDA has been considering adding sesame seeds to the top allergen list and how on November 10th, the agency issued a draft guidance that stopped short of doing that and then instead suggested that manufacturers should voluntarily declare sesame on labels when it's a hidden ingredient and roughly, you know, over 700 foods. So I think that it's important that, you know, now there's steps that are being taken to make it where it's required by manufacturers to do that because I know I've been put in situations where you know I've looked at labels for foods and maybe I might not have known an alternative name for a food item that I'm allergic to and then have some sort of a reaction so I think that it's important that you know as more and more Americans are discovering that they have food allergies that the FDA and other things like you know different bills that get passed and turned into laws will really help with being able to have that flexibility to add other allergens to that list if they meet you know the certain criteria for the FDA so like I said I think this is a really great push in the right direction and I know all of my sesame allergy friends uh, that listen to the podcast and are just a part of this really great allergy community are just really just super happy that their allergy is being recognized because I know that for me if I had a sesame allergy and I felt like companies weren't being 100% transparent and they could voluntarily declare things and they didn't have to do certain things in order to make sure that what I'm putting into my body is 100% safe for me and my diet and the way that I live. You know, that would make me feel hypersensitive and not feeling like I can trust the food that's in these grocery stores. So I think this is a really good step in the right direction and that hopefully more and more allergens will get added to this list. Hopefully, you know, that list will grow as more and more people are realizing and coming across and being tested for allergies and learning that they have food allergies, you know, they're gonna have to be more flexible when it comes to adding more and more common food allergens to the list. So it's not just a top eight, you know, it might be a top 10 or a top 14, you know what I'm saying? So I think this is a really good push in the right direction, like I said, but that is the allergy news. Like always, we always link the allergy news article in the show notes so that you guys can take a look at it for yourself and kind of do a deep dive search on your own. But with that being said, let's just get right into today's topic, which is all about how seasonal allergies can affect your skin and, you know, tips on what you can do about it. So to 
today's episode is all about seasonal allergies and how they can affect your skin. Now, I've seen people talk about skin changes that happen to them due to, you know, the weather changing, like, you know, sunburn and dry skin from like cold air, but not about seasonal allergies and how they can affect your skin. You know, allergy season makes a lot of us suffer from different symptoms like having itchy eyes, runny nose, um, congestion, and just things like that. And those are typically the symptoms that are the most obvious when you think of seasonal allergies, but they aren't the only signs of allergies. So some people may also show, you know, allergy symptoms on their skin, and this can happen in a variety of different ways. So one of the ways is from puffy eyes. Now, one of the first signs of allergies is having dry, itchy eyes that may become red and puffy, and this is usually after you've irritated them by like rubbing them with your fingers, anything could cause the itchiness, whether that's, you know, dust or pollen, you know, pet dander, mold, you know, things along those lines. And the body reacts by releasing histamine. I've talked about histamine so much on the podcast before, but if you aren't familiar with what histamine is, histamine is a chemical that is released in your body with the goal of getting rid of these irritants. And histamine causes inflammation, so it can cause your skin to become more sensitive as well as cause you to sneeze and to swell up. And so because of histamine, the blood vessels in your eyes swell up and then your eyes get red and then itchy during allergy season, which is the absolute worst. And I know for me personally speaking that I am guilty of rubbing my eyes just because in the moment it feels good and that you feel like, you know, you're helping yourself by doing that because it's like it's itchy and sometimes you might not be able to see. I've been guilty of that and, you know, it might help short term, but long term, it's not going to really do you any good. So some other allergy symptoms that can show on your skin is red and irritated skin under your nose. So generally, red and irritated skin under the nose is caused by tissues or constantly touching that part of your face. And then the irritation causes that part of your skin to feel raw, and it could possibly even bleed or scab up, which is definitely something that we definitely don't want to have happen. So another symptom is a runny nose. Now one of my personal symptoms for seasonal allergies is my nose feeling itchy inside and at times my nose will run. I know it sounds nasty but I'm just being honest here and I know I'm definitely not alone in terms of those symptoms. Now I know when my nose is either itching or it's running I tend to like push the tip of my nose up and apparently this whole motion has a name. It's called allergic salute and so I learned something new and I know my mom tends to get on me about this but in my opinion it's better than actually digging up your nose because that's just outright nasty and disgusting especially in the times with you know COVID and everything it's just overall just a really big no-no but apparently doing you know the motion of the allergic salute that can lead to a line on your nose developing from constantly rubbing it and constantly rubbing it can accentuate the skin fold around your eyes so when you have irritated skin the area below the eyes can actually form an extra line of skin called Denny Morgan fold and this happens due to swelling that's linked to skin inflammation and that goes all the way back to histamine because histamine causes inflammation. So 
all of this stuff is really connected with each other. Another symptom is a dry and peeling skin. Now dry and peeling skin is also caused by histamine and it's a result of your body trying to get rid of the irritants that have been exposed to you and your skin. So anytime that pollen, mold, dust particles and other different allergy inducing substances like that come in contact with you know the outer layer of your skin that's visible to the eye uh, the body will react by releasing histamine and your skin can appear red and dry and because of it this can cause some serious you know frustration in people because it's like just super 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 annoying and this is why people who suffer from you know seasonal allergies like myself take histamines because it's a medicine that's supposed to help your body from releasing and histamine so that you don't deal with any of the symptoms that I'm talking about in this episode. So if you suffer from a dry skin due to allergies, you know, you would think that using moisturizers and other products like that could help with your skin and help with providing moisture to, you know, your face or whatever area that's affected um, with your dry peeling skin. Nope. (laughs) It's like exactly the opposite, which is absolutely insane. But they say that using moisturizers and other products could cause even further irritation, especially if the dry peeling skin is on your face. So that's why, you know, it's super important to create some sort of a protective barrier around the skin when you are dealing with this type of a condition uh, because using lotions or makeup on parts of your face that have been affected by you know these allergy inducing particles it can cause an even worse reaction so typically like creams that are designed for like eczema and things like that tend to work the best in these types of situations because you want to like I said before create a protective barrier so that when your skin comes into contact with any of those irritants that you don't have some sort of a skin reaction because it's the absolute worst because skin is like what people tend to come in contact with you know when they see you like especially on your face to me having something on your face like a rash or some type of skin irritation is the absolute worst because I mean everyone's gonna see it and so it's like just uh, it's just super annoying but the next allergy symptom that I'm gonna talk about is hay fever hay fever hay fever hay fever You know, I have a long history with hay fever. I've talked about my experiences with it here on the podcast before. I believe I talked about it in my How to Make Pollen Season Suck Less episode. So if you've not listened to that episode, definitely you should because I go like on a full rant about hay fever. But if you're not familiar with hay fever, it's a specific kind of allergic reaction to pollen having direct contact with your skin. So many of the symptoms are similar to some of the side effects that's caused by breathing in allergens. However, sometimes a rash can also be found in these sort of situations. And hay fever is often mistaken for hives. These rashes that usually appear first as, you know, red patches and things like that on your skin that look similar to welts and the skin might be red and swollen and the spots are clearly defined and they might even grow over time. Now, this is different from hives, which can also be caused by hay fever. I know it's super confusing. It was really confusing to me as well. And the difference, you can spot the difference between hives Um, because they turn white when you press on them and then hay fever isn't only caused by rolling around in 
the hay um and more often than not it's caused by like gardening or touching flowers which for me I've talked about on the podcast before when I played soccer especially spring season soccer my legs would just be covered and having different rashes and hives and things like that and it was just like the absolute worst and it was like super 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 annoying people would be like oh like you know we're doing our stretches on the grass and I'm like I can't do that because my legs will look really really bad sadly you know if you're a person that has allergies you understand where I'm coming from when people say things like oh well it's not going to be that bad and then they saw my legs the next day and they were like well why do your legs look that bad and I'm like because I was in the grass I tried to tell you (laughs) but yeah uh, hay fever is just like the absolute worst and if you experience it too then you definitely know what I'm talking about but now that I talked a little bit about hives in that state I'll go and expand a little bit more about hives. So hives are also caused by allergens that come in contact with your skin and they appear on the skin as red itchy bumps that can be in different sizes and the size is like maybe like from like one centimeter to a foot in terms of circumference and they tend to last for several hours to even a full day and they can form in clusters. So this skin condition can form on pretty much any surface of your skin. So whether that's your back, your cheek, your tongue, or even your throat. And then it can be associated with having like a stinging or a burning sensation on whatever part of the skin that it's on. And these, like I said, are not to be mistaken for the hives that it's caused by consuming something that you're allergic to, such as like, you know, more of like the food allergies like peanuts or dairy and other different food allergies like that. Hives caused by this kind of allergic reaction will typically last for days or even weeks and can also require immediate medical attention. So another allergic symptom that is, you know, linked to affecting your skin is eczema, which I know if you've been in the allergy community, you're very familiar with eczema. The like technical name for it is called atopic dermatitis, but it's more commonly known as eczema and it can occur or even worsen during allergy season. So if you rub or scratch the area of skin that you have eczema on, it can make the eczema worse thanks to seasonal allergies. We love that. And eczema, it varies on different parts of your body for adults and children. I know that I've had family members who struggle with eczema and they've had it like in creases of their skin. So whether that's in the crease of like for your like elbow and like your forearm or whether it's on your elbows or whether it's on your hands, it can show up in a variety of different places. But if you guys want me to do like an actual episode just strictly about eczema, definitely let us know by sending us a message on the Oh My Allergies Instagram page. But another allergy symptom that's kind of linked a little bit to eczema in a way is called protein contact dermatitis. And so common allergens like pollen are proteins that can often cause nasal congestion. And then these types of proteins don't usually cause skin rashes, but they could be a bigger problem for those that have eczema. And those with eczema on their their eyelids are even more at risk as the skin on the eyelids is really thin and really, really sensitive. Now, if you have, you know, a skin barrier that isn't working really well, and then those proteins 
come in contact and land on your skin, it can actually trigger a rash and then you'll see redness and itchiness and swelling and that's not cute. So, you know, I've seen that, you know, wearing a big sunglasses, like, you know, like celebrities do like the Kardashians and people like that, where in these types of situations could be really helpful because you just want to keep those proteins from getting on your eyelids. So, Doing anything to do that will just be really, really beneficial to you. Now, when it comes to preventing allergy-associated skin problems, the best thing that you can do for your skin is trying to avoid the allergen and being just around the allergen altogether. You know, in a perfect world, this would be absolutely amazing and we would all be like, yes, yes, yes. But in the real world, normally this is usually 99.9% impossible. But, you know, with the state of the world and, you know, with everybody still being in quarantine, this might be more possible than we think now more than ever. But anyways, the different things that you can do to help with reducing your exposure include, you know, staying indoors when pollen counts are high, which is something that I normally do because pollen and me, we're just... We're just not best friends. We were never ever supposed to be best friends. It's just, I don't know, pollen just has it out for me. And so I just try my very best to just stay out of its way. Um, another thing you can do is keeping windows closed and air conditioning on, um, washing your sheets and pillowcases and hot water weekly, um, using like dust mite proof covers on mattresses. You know, that's something that I use when I lived on campus in college, uh, just being able to make sure that my living space is as allergy friendly in terms of environmental allergy triggers as possible for me, especially because you're on a college campus, you know, who knows like how dusty some of these air vents are. So I know for me, when I go and move into my dorm, I make sure I contact maintenance to make sure that all of the air vents are clean for my room so that I don't have any sort of dust coming into my living space because I'm going to be breathing it and I'm really, really allergic to it. So just making sure that you're putting those types of measures in place and talking with who you need to talk to if you live on a college campus or some type of living situation like that. Also using fragrance and dye-free skin products. This is something that I personally use just because I found over the years that my skin's just very, very sensitive. And so using fragrance-free products for me, especially on my face, has really just been the go-to move for me just because like some like different scents can be very, very harsh for people who have sensitive skin and my skin like literally whether it's on my face whether it's my armpits whether it's my arms they're just very very sensitive so I've found that fragrance free has worked for me just because I don't have to deal with any of some of the additives that might be added to products that have a fragrance and although it may smell really really good um, it's just not good for my skin so I just don't use um, products especially on my skin that have fragrances in them and that don't have any dyes in them just because I found that in the long run it does a lot better for my skin. Some other things that you could do is reducing your stress to help with decreasing the levels of histamine in your body. Now that's easier said than done in terms of reducing your stress. You know we all deal with stress in some form or fashion you know whether it's from work whether it's from school, whether it's from your family dynamics. So if you have the ability to help with reducing your stress, um, that will really be able to help you in the long run. Um, some other things that you can do is avoiding like harsh ingredients like parabens, 
uh, retinoids, alpha, uh, beta hydroxy acids, and different things like that, especially benzoyl peroxide. I know those are a lot of different products that are used in, you know, facial products and skincare products. So I know for me, when I'm shopping for different things for my skincare routine, I'm really mindful in checking the ingredients and making sure that the things I'm putting on my skin are paraben free and they're dye free and just making sure that they're actually made with really good ingredients that are going to help your skin and not really harm your skin because there's been like so many different things that I've tried that people say oh my goodness like they're really good and you know it has this type of peroxide in it that really help with getting rid of a hyperpigmentation and you know acne or whatever your skin conditions may be but sometimes those ingredients are just too harsh for your skin so for me I found that trying to find a natural alternative that whether I can DIY at home or something that I know is a little bit more natural that might be I don't know like something that I could like grow in a mini garden or just something that's a little bit more natural and comes from you know the ground and that type of thing instead of something that's made in a lab um, because sometimes those can just be like super super harsh also don't exfoliate or scratch compromised skin I know that that can be super hard especially if the itch is just really really strong and it's super annoying and you just want the itch to stop I know sometimes like I'll get different parts of my skin that's like really really itchy and it's just so hard to like not want to scratch it or not try to do anything about it but sometimes you just have to let the itch subside or maybe just put some natural products on your skin or put a cool compress on your skin to be able to help with the itchiness um, to help it go away and not have it where you make it worse because scratching and exfoliating skin that's already injured you're just going to make it a lot a lot a lot worse and you're just going to slow down the healing process but overall most of these skin irritants will go away on their own whether that's in a few weeks or a few days you know and they aren't typically considered to be very serious conditions but sometimes it may seem like you know the skin irritation may have disappeared or it might be fading away but then it may come back which is considered normal from things that I was looking up online and just from just talking with you know different people that I know that deal with different skin conditions. Um, now some ways to reduce skin irritation could be like taking a cool bath or a shower or even using like I said before a cool compress to gently just press the irritated area and then making sure you dry it off because although the cool compress is going to be helpful you don't want any like condensation from any sort of like water or like an ice pack or something like that to stay on your skin because that that might just start up a whole nother situation that you just don't want to have and you're trying to clear up something else because that's just the worst thing when you're trying to fix like some type of skin irritation that's already on your skin and then you put something on it and then it just makes it a lot worse and then it like prohibits your progress and it's just super annoying so make sure that if you are going to put a cool compress on whatever irritated part of your skin to make sure that you dry it off and make sure that it's fully dried and I like I said I normally do the cool compress and I found that that works wonders for me and my skin so maybe if you've not tried that already maybe try that um, I'm just talking from my personal experience what I know that works for me and my skin but I know 
that everybody's skin is different. There's so many different skin types. So knowing what works for you and your body. And as long as you're content with that, then that's really all that matters. Um, I've heard like some people tend to combine like collodial oatmeal with their baths to help with with soothing their skin. And that's basically like a powdered form of oatmeal. I know for even my dog, because my dog, she struggles with having um, skin um, conditions and having itchy dry skin and stuff. And I've noticed that using shampoos and stuff like that, that have oatmeal in them to help with soothing the skin tends to really work for her as well so when it comes to skin I found whether it's with me or my dog because she her skin is just that's literally a whole nother episode I could talk about with dogs having skin problems and what has I found that works for us but it's really just a lot of trial and error and trying to see what works with you and your body and sometimes when I've even found for my dog when it comes to trying different shampoos that sometimes it works better if the products are more pH balanced because sometimes I could throw off the pH levels in your body and that can be really directly linked to like your skin and stuff so always always keeping those types of things in mind as well and then also there's like over-the-counter anti-itch creams and you can also wear baggy clothes and that can help with minimizing the pain and the itchiness and it can also help with preventing the rash or irritation from spreading to other parts of your body because of that airflow. That airflow works wonders, guys. Telling you, I'm telling you. But hopefully you guys found this episode to be super helpful. Like I said, I wanted to do an episode like this because I know seasonal allergies, That's that time of the year is definitely coming soon. And so I know I've done episodes about winter allergies and dealing with things like that when you're more so indoors but I want to do more things about seasonal allergies and how they can just affect your skin and just skin allergies and skin irritation in general because I know a lot of people deal with it including myself and wanting to bring like kind of a new perspective and just sharing with you guys some things that have worked for me but I know that I say in all my episodes, you know, make sure that you're consulting with you and your doctor or your dermatologist in this type of situation and just trying to find methods that work for you and your skin. Like I said, that no two uh, skins are the same. You know, there's so many different skin types that are out there. There's normal, there's combination, there's oily. So once you find something that works for you and your skin and your body and it makes you and your skin feel at its best, then that's really what's the most important part but like I said I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and were able to learn something or find something really interesting in this episode if you did be sure to send us a message on our Instagram page which is at oh my allergies and that's a really great way to keep up with what we're doing we post a lot of fun content on there so come on and join the party over on our Instagram page also make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on your podcast platform of choice rate and review the podcast hopefully it is five stars and keep on telling people that you know and don't know about the oh my allergies podcast and i will talk to you guys in the next episode bye guys bye